Welcome to TRB, everybody. It is the Resistance Broadcast. Welcome to our Monday show. It's time to get into discussions about our favorite movie franchise ever. Uh, but this time, James and I are going to try to figure out Maybe we're going to disagree. Maybe we'll agree on some things. What's the most rewatchable Star Wars movie of each of the three trilogies? So we're not talking Rogue One Solo, Clone Wars. We're talking prequel, OT, sequels. And it might not even be, James, it might not even be the best of movie of each trilogy. Just the most rewatchable, which for me, I already know there's some that don't fit both categories. So I think it'll be a fun dis- discussion. Are you are you going into this fully realized on your choice, or is this something that you think might come to you as we talk about it? Well, John, anytime you ever pitch questions, I go, "Well, it depends on what you mean." <laughs> right? And you always hate that, but I'm well, like, it I tried, depends yeah. on what angle we're looking at certain things from. Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, and for anyone who is either catching up on the pod or whatever, uh, make sure you check out last week's episode. Uh, we had actually another discussion, which we usually don't do on our live shows. But uh, Lacey has been sort of cutting back her time a little bit, not for any uh, bad reasons, um, just taking some personal time. Obviously, she's pregnant. Uh, and there's a lot going on in her life. Uh, so she's just doing the live shows and uh, me and James are going to hold the fort down for the, dis- the discussion show. So you can always keep finding Lacey, uh, obviously, on all the social media apps at Lacey Gillerin, uh to uh, and send her your love. But TikTok, be sure to- it's Lacey Gillerin. Right, right. But be sure to uh, watch our other shows. You know, not a lot of pods put out two episodes a week. So you still get a healthy dose of Gillerin on a week-to-week basis. But James, we are here to talk about that debatable topic. But before we do that, uh, well, before we do that, how how you doing? How's your how's your Cincinnati football club doing? What's going on? Are they in the playoffs yet? Is it the season coming to an end? I don't know anything about MLS. We're not there yet, um, as far as like playoffs. But I would find it hard to believe if they wouldn't make the playoffs. I don't really know at what point like you're like guaranteed in because you've got enough points. Um, hmm. But the place we're at right now is that the basically the whole season is shut down while we do leagues cup which is beyond MLS. MLS is just a competitor in like sort of a local tournament of a couple different countries and different leagues. Um, and they've already done the the first round, which was sort of like a, I don't know what they call it, like a, not a knockout. Uh, they call them um, um, like group grouping, like where you have like three teams. Oh, like the World Cup does? I'm not sure because I'm so new to sports. Like all this stuff is new to me, but it's like three teams and then these two play each other, those two play each other, and then these two play each other. And then whoever had the most points out of that, it, the or whoever had the least gets knocked out and then they knocked actually out. move into the real bracket. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's sort of three things going on right now. We're, we're uh, at the top of the MLS. We are still in the competition for Open Cup and we are still in the competition for Leagues Cup. So well, that's those cool. are the three there. And and when it comes to the regular season, um, you know, who knows about like MLS Cup, but being at the top of the league means that we're the number one uh, leader for Supporters Shield, which is, in my opinion, the better trophy. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's but, very cool. Yeah, they are um, absolutely crushing it. And I'm told um, that 
after the season is over, I should probably get out of sports because it will n- never ever be like that again because your team always loses. <laughs> so if you get into sports and your team goes like all the way and wins or whatever, like quit. <laughs> well, and that didn't used to always be the case with uh, the Yankees, but right now yeah. they are in shambles in every way imaginable are out of and like of, the teams of, do they rank like are you like number 20 out of in, 23 in their division the yankees are in last place right now they're in um, the last yeah they're four games out of a wild card spot for the playoffs so they're still they still can make the playoffs but they are a mess in so, structurally management uh, front office it's it's a do real you guys mess. have an equivalent of like what what we call supporter shield where it's like even what regardless of if you make the playoffs and you happen to like do well in the playoffs and win the World Series or whatever, do you have something that like they sort of give a trophy to who was like very clearly the best team of the league because they won the most games or something? No. No? Okay. No. I think that's the better trophy. Oh, I don't. You got to win it all. It's all about That would changing. be winning it all. That would that's my that's why I think that's better to say this season we we performed better than any other team. Technically, we stumbled at, at like those last few games or whatever, which, you know, like you could be the best team all the way leading up and just have one bad game at the very last game. But baseball is different, too, because you play like seven games. Per yeah, team people, or se- yeah, that's weird. People don't remember the teams that lose the championship. People remember the, the champions. So especially in baseball and other American sports, footballs, uh, no one remembers Super Bowl losers. They remember who wins. Um, right. I think but, that's still the case for, for soccer. I think most people look at MLS Cup as the, the top one, but I, I don't get that. I think the supporter shields are better. Um, get, hit me up in the comments. Whoever knows what the heck I'm even talking about. Yeah. I mean, soccer's weird in that way, but I, <laughs> I by the time this comes out, I, I mean, went to the does that game. Too. I went to the Yankee game on Saturday with my brother, my sister, and my mom. So I don't know if they won or lost because we're recording this before that. But and I also was at a concert Friday. I went to Metallica and Pantera at MetLife. You had a weekend, so hopefully I had a good time. <laughs> anyway, uh, James, we're gonna do Will of the Force, and we are again two weeks in a row uh, to show our love for our patrons. We're doing an all-exclusive Patreon Will of the Force. Absolutely. So let's get into it. I fear nothing for all this as the force wills it. As John mentioned, it is very important that we are doing an all Patreon episode because we love our patrons. And if you love the show um, and want to continue to support uh, or not continue to support, but you want to support, um, you should probably look at doing that through patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast there you can start supporting us at just five dollars a month which is the major level and uh at that particular level you can start submitting questions to this very topic but if you or to this very uh section of the show will the force but of course you know if you if you want to move up you can and be more engaged and uh do more things on the patreon we do a lot over there including the discord which people really like so if you want to if you're if that's interesting that sounds cool to you head over to patreon.com resistance broadcast and check it out let's get started with the first one this week uh from one of our patrons this one is coming from commander michael uh letter 
I believe that's correct. So. correct. Well, Michael, let us know if it's wrong. We'll think we'll we'll say it right next time. We'll try to do our best there. Yeah, um, Michael, thanks for submitting the question. Um, he wanted to know. Will we see Batu in live action with Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew lined up for release? Do you think we will see them on Batu in either show? And are you surprised that we haven't seen Batu yet in anything so far? John, where are you at in this? Because I feel like I remember when Galaxy's Edge came out that you were very like they're going to obviously do this and it's all connected and that's, it's kind of dumb. Is that where you were? I don't know. What do you I don't remember. Okay. Um, I, I'm not going to say we'll never see Batu in live action. I don't think we are yet. Uh, I don't think Ahsoka or skeleton crew will feature in Batu. Um, was skeleton crew filmed in, the same way that Ahsoka and Mando was? Was that in the Stagecraft studios? Oh, gosh. You're the person I should be asking. I know. I, I, I feel weird that I don't know. Um, um, but anyway, that I, I, wa- I wanted to say that I felt like we had heard that there was filming going on at Batu at some point, like at night or something. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, no. I don't think we'll see. Uh, well, this is tough because he asked a bunch of questions. Will we see Batu in a Soken Skeleton Crew? No. Will we see Batu in live action one day? Maybe. <laughs> I think we will see Batu in live action for sure. I'm not positive about this. I think that at some point, I think the thing was is that when it first got announced, we were like, oh, okay. And then Disney Plus, and they're doing all these other shows. The, all of this is just synergy for them having the opportunity to shoot in this and trying to say, you think the Mandalorian's cool? Well, now the Mandalorian is a Batuu and you should go to Batuu as well because he's cool and you could be cool too. And and so far, I feel like they've done a good job at sort of staying away from that and not making it like an obvious advertisement. Um, there are other things that they do with books and and um, the, the Star Cruiser and other things like that that they've connected through uh, a way to make your visit about Galaxy's Edge and all that, but they haven't really done it in like actually live action format yet. Right. Um, it almost makes me feel like Batu would have been a better candidate or would have come first before, say, the Star Cruiser. Like, don't don't you with like which one would you have felt better about? Like, if Mandalorian has an episode where he went to Batu, or Mandalorian has an episode where he had to take the Star Cruiser. Well, I feel like wasn't he almost on something that was like the Star Cruiser when he was traveling somewhere in was it Book, Book of Boba Fett? Fett? Yeah, I feel like that was very similar. But I think I would feel better if it was the planet. Yeah, um, me it, too. It feels less like a novelty, even though it's a theme park thing. <laughs> I know. I, that's why I think I think it makes sense, and I feel like they've done enough time to space it out and say. If they if a character does show up, my thing with it is the one that feels the most right at this point was if Ahsoka was there, because I feel like bringing Ahsoka to the park would be very similar to bringing Mando and Boba Fett and stuff. Well, um, also the difference for me on I don't say it's the grossness of it, but like the the, the, the Star Cruiser 
you either go there or you're not there. Whereas you can go to Hollywood Studios and not go to Galaxy's Edge. It's not just like you have to pay to go to Galaxy's, just Galaxy's Edge. Whereas yeah. the Star Cruiser's like, come to the Star Cruiser. This is it. You're either coming here or you're not. So I think that's also a big difference for me. But I don't know. I, I, did you answer though? Did you, you, so you sort of said maybe we'll see it, but do you? I think Batu shows up in live action at some point, and I feel like because they've taken such an, a good enough time that it won't feel it'll feel cool again. And it won't feel like the obvious advertisement. As far as Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew, yeah. I think both of those probably are not. I was trying to Google really quickly. I see a picture of somebody saying, "I said back in October they might try and film it, but two, this is interesting, and they have like a photo and, st- and I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there was something about they were filming maybe at Batu one late night, but I can't really pull up anything off the top. But you also so. have to answer without. Oh yeah, no, I I don't. I'm saying I don't think they will show up in Ahsoka or Skeleton Crew. Oh, Skeleton Crew did film in Los Angeles, so it was the same filming style as Ahsoka. Okay. And yeah, uh, man, it looks so much better than Ahsoka just based on the trailers. But we never know. I know. I, and the show. other thing too is, I saw the one trailer. Yeah. You know, um, on a big one screen time. in front of a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. But um, all right. All right, next one is from another one of our patrons. This time, the question comes from Major Derek Smith. Thank you, Derek. Derek. Um, Derek wanted to know, will we get a flashback in Ahsoka showing uh, showing a DH Balin and Anakin? It would be great to get a new live-action Clone Wars action sequence. Um, I'm going to start this off where uh, I, I may or may not have missed this sort of connection between Balin and Anakin. I know that on the, on Thursday's episode or Wednesday's episode of uh, TRB live, we talked about it was in the data bank. I think that Balin and Anakin like knew each other or something along those lines. Can you fill me in on that? Uh, Do you know off the top of your head where that's coming from? Um, I'm seeing, no, I, I remember hearing that, but I'm not positive as to where, that was um yeah i'm not really positive all right well that being said maybe while john searches around i'll answer the question um i don't think we're gonna get a de-aged anakin specifically which means i think this whole kind of idea is probably out um number one we had the opportunity to de-age hayden christensen and it didn't happen Uh, that's that's one thing um, now, while I would love to see this uh, relationship between Balin and Anakin, if there really was one, like, how did that work out? Was Balin a little bit more like, are they going to build on the storyline of Anakin turning by Balin being like, you know, it's not always bad to do the 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 thing that you have in your heart, your passion or something, you know, James, and he sort quick. of leads them that, down that line. What's up? The main, that main trailer, um, I guess we both forgot this, but that main Ahsoka trailer, Balin tells Ahsoka that her old master, Anakin Skywalker, always spoke highly of her. So they knew each other. We just don't know in what capacity. Oh, okay. So that's where it's coming from. Yep. So it's legit. It's in the trailer, but it's vague because we don't know how they knew each other. Doesn't mean they were friends. You know, you know, there's. 
you know, you could you could speak highly of somebody to an adversary. You know, there's... you could also speak highly of someone publicly. Right. Without even it being a private conversation. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like if if Anakin, if Anakin had had in some way, shape or form sort of publicly been like, oh, she's the best, like she's awesome or whatever. And Balin as an as like an audience member was learning exactly. Ahsoka right. through right. him, but right. never actually we knew Anakin. Yeah. So I guess I guess we don't know for sure, but that clearly implies that they were they had talked and stuff. So yeah. it's an interesting aspect. I don't think we're gonna get that. I think Star Wars usually, because I love a good flashback, I think it usually works best when you tell somebody about the past instead of showing them the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it and it forces us to say well, when are we going to get that story, you know? And and I want to know more about that thing, you know, like uh, you fought in the Clone Wars. Like, well, when are we going to get that? As opposed to the uh, oh, new we Hope got being that. like, yeah. well, I know, but it was it was not like in the show. They were like, right. your right. father was a great warrior. It's like, they're out there and they're like fighting in the Clone Wars. Like we didn't get it. You just were told about it. And we were told that they had this relationship. So- um, I think that's where it works the best. And I'm going to say no, Derek, unfortunately, even though I think it would be cool. I like it when they do that sometimes. Yep. What do you think? Um, yeah, you hit on the point I was going to make about the budget. Um, well, you didn't specifically say budget, but you just said like yeah. they, they had a chance to de-age Hayden Christensen for Obi-Wan and they didn't do it really. Um, and they, they really didn't. So um, besides giving them like the haircut wig or whatever. But I I think... De-aging is very expensive. Um, I don't know the budget that went into all of these shows. We heard about the budget that went into Andor. We heard about the, the pre-production budget for Acolyte. We don't know how much they put a budget behind Ahsoka. Um, and I'm just trying to think, like, you know, with Dave Filoni doing this, would he spend time and budget knowing that there would be budget taken away from something else to tell a flashback? between Anakin and this guy. I don't think so. Um, and for the reason that we're not even sure that they even really knew each other, like we just talked about. Uh, I, and it just costs a lot. You would have to de-age both of them. And you would have to have done heavy de-aging for Ray Stevenson, who was, who was an older guy. Not old, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I don't think so. It's a very good question, Derek. So don't get us wrong there. But you- I, I don't think so either. I, I don't doubt that de-aging someone is expensive, but it does make you wonder how expensive is it really? Cause like, I know it's not the same thing, but like you can, you can do that on a phone, you know? And, and in a lot of cases too, like not if you want it to look good, I think, I think you'd be surprised sometimes the, what is out there that is like believable. Um, although it's not as good, you could take it up that extra level, but even people that have done it just on YouTube, like, you know, like, oh, they didn't de-age Anakin, so I'll do it. And then they put on YouTube side by side and it looks pretty good. And that's not coming from somewhere who has even remote studio budget. That's just coming from a creator on his home PC with a couple things, you know, here and there mm-hmm. and a little bit of know-how. So to think that the, that the people, you know, at ILM or whatever, would would be like well in order to do this right it's going to cost 
$50,000. And then they're like, well, but then we just won't like, do it. But it's like, why does it cost $50,000 when, when people are capable of doing it maybe 98% of the way? But don't forget, and it's what almost Hickle more believable us. than like even if the special effects weren't perfect, most people would have rather had the not perfect special effect than a not de-aged Hayden Christensen. You know, sure. But also, let's not forget what Hal Hickle told us, which is like a lot of these people who um, changed our finished product were adding onto our finished product, right? So, and and that's fine, but. In this case, with Hayden Christensen, that's not the case. It so is. They, no, it isn't. No, it's not. Because in yes, the case is. that, okay, well, let's let's uncover it real quick. Because in that case, I believe that what he was referring to is when someone like Corridor Crew fixes. I know what you're saying. Luke Skywalker, Hamill, uh, Mark Hamill, who was already de-aged and re-put in, and, yep. and they already did all that work. In this case, that's just. Hayden Hayden Christensen's face. There's no work that's already been done by but ILM. You're, you're you're forgetting that they already had the performance. They already had the hair done. They already had the lighting shot. Everything to create that around everything outside of this. Yeah, was already done. Uh, the performance right. by the actor. So, but I'm saying why they can... they decided to not spend the extra amount of money to 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 do the extra little bit on his face when, but somebody just with a home computer went the extra mile with the extra little bit on his face and fans would prefer that. I, all I'm saying is the hate. Yeah, I'm getting be, into a semantics about. Yeah. <laughs> the cost, the but, Hayden thing might be easier because, you know, Hayden, Hayden Christensen still looks relatively young for his age in terms of facially. Yeah, Ray Stevenson. That's just another body. Right. You're talking about yeah. how, how do you how do you bring that guy down? You know, it's easier to age someone from 38 to down to 22 or whatever, but a 60 year old to age him down to th 30 or 40 is a different animal. So there's just a lot that goes into it. I, I for many reasons, I just don't think this is uh, gonna we're gonna see this. So. Yep, and I agree. All right, uh, one last one before we get into that discussion. This one is coming from one of our patrons, Commander Alex. Commander Alex wanted to know, uh, they sent in the question, with Mando Season 3 showing both Hux, which of course we're talking about the older Hux, Brendel um, Hux, and name-dropping Project Necromancer, will we be seeing more of the First Order or even Exegol in future shows and or Dave's New Republic movie? John, start this one off. What do you think? I think we already have. Um, I think we've seen sort of the seeds of the First Order in a sense. So it depends on how much you're talking about, Alex. Uh, it's definitely a good question. I don't think we're going to see the Mandoverse and this stuff used in a way the Clone Wars was used to add uh, add uh, credence or strength to the prequels. I think you're just going to see the logical foundation as it's being built without it being like, we're going to really show why the first order is great so that you like the sequels more or something, which I think the clone wars helped people like reconcile stuff with the, um, uh, the clone wars did stuff that helped people recognize things, reconcile things with the prequels. Um, I don't think we'll see Exegol. Um, we might, but I don't know about in one of Dave's things. Uh, 
I'd be surprised if we see like Thrawn was at the same spot that um, Palpatine was. Um, but I do think we will see some First Order stuff just because logically there has to be foundation somewhere and there's sort of loose ends tied um, with the cloning aspect. And is that all about Palpatine? Like we're not sure how close they're going to get to it, but I think we'll see some First Order stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we're agreeing on on the fact that there's going to be First Order stuff, but I, I was taking your thing as sort of a no, but there will be First Order. I'm saying yes. I think this... I think this does make sense to me um, that Dave would be bringing in some of that stuff to do exactly what he already did with the Clone Wars, filled in the gaps, made things make sense. Um, You kind of saw it like a a reconciliation with the prequels. And I sort of think it's all in the same thing, all in the same vein here. I think that uh, bringing in those characters and showing us that stuff, which doesn't really need to happen um it it sort of is happening because there's a plan and and when you're looking at when we finally get to that movie let's say the movie is thrawn and this is the final stand and thrawn dies in that movie or whatever i think at some point everybody goes what about the first order so you have to have that in there as you know you're sort of introducing um some of this stuff being like, well, there's the remnants of the empire, but there's also this stuff that's going on over there, which we all know is what led to uh, Palpatine and Exegol and the Mm -hmm. final order and all that other stuff. I think that stuff, while, you know, maybe there's an argument for that detracts from the story that we're trying to tell, which is about Thrawn and his whole thing. I think it's all perfectly intertwined. And um, man, what was it? We we got another Will of the Force question about um, Grand Admiral um, uh, Ray Sloan. Ray Sloan. I had it in my head, and then I finished the sentence. And by the time I got to the end of the sentence, I'd forgotten it again. Ray Sloan, and I don't think she will be involved in Ahsoka, but the whole all the bigger picture of the Mando verse and the different shows and it all leading up to a movie. I feel like this is a very strong way for them to be like, look, there was the empire. Then we showed you the first order and all of this stuff is the middle stuff. It's the, the empire falling and turning into the first order. So even though Thrawn's involved and he's representing the empire, I think we're still going to get a lot of the other side of that, which is like, sort of a, a um, looking at this whole thing as a sequel prequel, if you will. I disagree, but I hear what you're saying. I just don't know. That First Dave Order Party... Empire prequel setup. Yeah, I I don't know that Favreau and Filoni are interested in everything that they're doing being served as some sort of supplemental prologue to the sequel trilogy. I think it just it's going to be a matter of circumstance that the first order has to be being developed at this time. Yeah, um, that's but fair. I do see, I do see your point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good, that, good questions though. Good questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Thank Alex, you. Derek and Michael off to send those in. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and move on to our discussion. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. What is the most rewatchable movie from each Star Wars trilogy? 
three trilogies, three movies in each, but which from each is the most rewatchable? Now, we'll go through each trilogy, talk it out to try to determine which movie from each that you are tossing on uh, the most often on a rainy Saturday, uh, never get tired of it, always easy to digest. Um, however you define rewatchable. Um, and I know for me, for certain, uh, there's going to be some that might not be my favorite of a trilogy, but I feel are more rewatchable. Um, it might not be the best movie of a trilogy, but it's more rewatchable. So, James, let's start with the prequel trilogy. Um, do you have one on the top of your mind that you're like, this one is one I could always throw on, always watch, um, easy to digest, it feels fresh, that sort of thing? Or are you in a gray area where you're not sure or it depends? Because I feel pretty certain on mine, so I'm curious what you think. Well, I think it definitely depends because if someone was good enough to go back and look at all the clips over the years we've been doing this, I'm sure that I've probably answered all three of the movies as the one I go back and rewatch. I think if there's a bigger truth to it, the one that I really honestly do probably put on the most is Phantom Menace. That's mine. And I think the other side of that, which will, which this logic will carry over into the other movies is, uh, the one that I tend to like the least because I feel like there's things in it that I maybe don't understand. And maybe if I paid attention or, or, or tried to find something about it this time, some of those pieces might come together a little bit better. Um, I, yeah, I need to come to terms with some of this because I'm starting to think in my head right now that part of what makes some of these movies rewatchable for me more than others is a reminder of, and it's ironic because we talked about nostalgia last week, a reminder of how I felt when I first watched that movie. Like mm-hmm. that creeps in and that to me adds to rewatchability for things. So that's a part of it. I'm not saying it's all of it. Um, but for me, Phantom Menace, um, feels i mean there's a and this is an aspect for me like there's a heaviness to revenge of the sith that sometimes feels like just a gigantic meal and sometimes you just you know want a nice snack and uh, there's a there's there's heaviness to phantom menace for sure the last act i mean everything with qui-gon uh his death was some of the darker one of the darker things we had seen in star wars to that point so it's not all just a fun ride um but Something about the Phantom Menace just feels very pure, George Lucas. Uh, the pod race we talked about last week uh, at length um, is just something you feel like he just had a, a good time making. Um, and also the fact that, you know, that movie was made without George Lucas feeling pressured to f- to do better than the last one mm-hmm. because of how Phantom Menace was received. So a lot of the cultural elements of it also add to my rewatchability but i think what it comes down to for me for the phantom menace being more rewatchable than attack the clones and uh revenge of the sith is because i just enjoy the movie more and um i feel it moves nicely and uh that it's sometimes it's that simple for me so i think i don't usually get uh turned away from something if it's too heavy um, so I, I'm not putting on the Phantom Menace because it's light and easy. 
I think I'm putting on Phantom Menace because it, especially in this trilogy, it feels like it's the most separated. Um, actually, what's funny about that too is that sort of happens in no the sequel trilogy. Yeah. We'll get that. We'll get that as well, um, in a way. Um, but to me, I kind of feel like Phantom Menace is. Um, the closest thing we have to a sort of separated story while still being part of the nine. And I think that's probably because of, you're right, Hayden Christensen, the Anakin character. You've got Qui-Gon, you've got Jar Jar Binks as like, I mean, I know he's in the other ones, but he's not really, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got... um, just this this sort of uh, different world where you, you know the war hasn't started and all this and you know I don't and know the duel just, of fates the duel of fates like like I got it in well, my that, opinion yeah that's just that's, an element of the movie I'm saying but just in general for some reason like I feel like there's one and then like ten years later there's the rest of them <laughs> or somehow yeah. I know that doesn't even make sense but uh, oh it does I mean Hayden Christensen's a big draw for today like he gets these huge crowd pops and stuff and he's just not a part of the phantom menace and here we are both of us saying the phantom menace is the most rewatchable phantom menace almost feels like rogue one to the original trilogy in a weird way yeah yeah and also the liam neeson factor has to play a part because he i thought he was excellent in the phantom menace and we don't get him in the next two obi-wan fills that role and he does great so on one hand you know, here we are talking 2023, where two, arguably two, if not the two most popular Star Wars actors right now, if you go to Celebration and you listen to those crowd pops, are Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. And both of them are in two and three, have bigger roles in two and three, of course, Ewan, because uh, in episode one, Obi-Wan really is a, is kind of a small role. Right. Aside, yep. aside from the end, when he has to sort of like step up and take the mantle and defeat Maul. He's staying he's there on the to ship. fill in dialogue. Yep. Scene. Yeah, he's not in there that much. And he doesn't like there's not a lot of like Obi-Wan lines in The Phantom Menace where you're like, that's uh, that's a great Obi-Wan line. It's over 20,000. Um, yeah, yeah. You, if you yeah. looked, didn't look closely, I said 10,000, but you heard 20,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even Master Yoda doesn't have a count that high. Yeah. Um, so. It, it it shouldn't be, but it for me it the Phantom Menace is and and definitely I have to admit that part of that is I will always remember the moments uh you know leading up to that and that fills me with a good feeling. And for me, a lot of times rewatchability, I think there's two big things. One, um usually the movie makes me feel good. It's like comforting. And two, it moves. And the Phantom Menace moves. Like they, they are never really in one spot for a long period of time. It bops around a lot to different characters and situations. It, it, it we, They literally move on to different locations. Like the place they were the longest, I think, had to have been Tatooine. But then in the middle of that, you get that 15-minute race, which is amazing. Yeah. It's a nice breakup. So the I feel like the Phantom Menace cruises pretty well. And I think that and, – and, and changes scenery a lot. And I think that bodes well for rewatchability for a movie, just in general. Yeah. I actually don't really think that the end of Phantom Menace was too ambitious and they were doing too much. I feel like it it cuts like Return of the Jedi. I where agree. You've got yeah. multiple battles and I'm like bopping between them. And I at no, yeah. at no point, as we've seen in some of the documentaries, 
at no point did I ever feel like I'm like, now where am I? Yeah, you know, I'm like, I, agree. I know exactly where we're at the whole time. I'm totally with this. You get your space battle, you get your lightsaber duel, and you get your ground battle, and that's exactly what you get in Return about, of the Jedi. So. Yeah, about um, the Qui-Gon factor, too, is I recently rewatched Obi-Wan Kenobi, and when I got to the end, I was thinking about Qui-Gon, spoiler alert, and I started thinking about, is Qui-Gon, there's sort of two scales here you got you got to follow with me. Is he the smallest important character out of all the nine movies that made the biggest impact. Well, he's six, five. (laughs) Now what I mean? Oh, but so obviously like (laughs) other people had bigger impacts like Anakin Skywalker. Right. But he is a bigger character. Like, you know what I mean? So he's like out of all, you know, out of all of the Star Wars, the nine movies, who made the biggest impact with the least amount of like presence? And I was trying to think, I was like, Jabba the Hutt? And I was like, no, because he, even his impact is sort of small in the context of that. Like Qui-Gon finding mm-hmm. Anakin and like presenting no, him to Obi-Wan and so all that. Impact to the story. Not yeah, to the, to the nine movies as like as a whole. I was about to say Boba Fett just because of like if you were talking about from a fan perspective, because that guy literally did nothing and he was people's favorite character. So, um, Oh no. You know what though? Good argument here might be Django Fett. Didn't do a whole lot, but really impacted the story. Yeah. That's a good argument. Yeah. Um, that's tough. Yeah. Qui-Gon's good. It's funny if, if there's no prequels, I think the answer to that would be Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's only if in no New pro- Hope. Oh, right. Yeah. He well, dies. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, sort of repeat. Right. But because of the prequel. So if they made a prequel prequel trilogy about Qui-Gon, then we couldn't pick him. So uh, <laughs> Qui-Gon's a great pick for that. That's a good one. I'd have to meditate on this. I will. Right. right. Yeah. All um, right. So let's, let's move to the original trilogy. Yeah, let's do that. Now, this right. one, I think, is the trickiest for me. Oh, okay. So do you want me to start? Because I think I have a pretty definitive pick. Okay. Return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. Um, I And I think a lot of that, is, and, and The Empire Strikes Surprised Back. Surprised by answer. Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I also love A New Hope. But I think what makes Return of the Jedi so rewatchable is it it doesn't necessarily move a lot. But there's a lot to absorb in a lot of the scenes where sort of like our conversation last week of, did you see that? You know, you can watch Return of the Jedi and find new things all the time. And you can't always do that in Empire uh, or A New Hope. Um, You can, but not as much as Return of the Jedi. So, And I think that opening sequence where you get the three main heroes together again, which they tried to do with Rise of Skywalker... (laughs) <laughs> for the first time in that trilogy, um, they get Han, Luke, and Leia back together again. It's this swashbuckling, amazing opening sequence uh, that's about 25 minutes or so, I think. So you're looking at about a quarter of the movie, and it, it really is just an, an, a, a, such a fun scene to watch, that whole entire sequence on Tatooine with Jabba's palace and Jabba's sail barge. Um, Luke does his thing, Han's doing his thing, Leia's doing her thing. They're all separated, so, sort of, but... They're all still together uh, for the main cause. And just, I think that scene alone 
is supremely rewatchable. And then you go from there, Luke goes to Yoda. That's incredible. And then you get the whole Endor scene, Death Star, uh, Vader, Palpatine. It's just Return of the Jedi. It, it, it ties everything up nicely and ends that trilogy in a beautiful way. Um, whereas, you know, Empire has, it, it, it's slower. Like we're on Hoth for a long time. Uh, Luke's with Yoda for a long time. Uh, Han and Leia are, are going through space for a while. There's a lot of like slow stuff, but it's pur- purposefully slow to build up the characters and help them with their arcs. So in my opinion, it's the best Star Wars movie, but for re- rewatchability, um, I think Return of the Jedi just gives you so much to watch every time. It's just, there's a lot to it and it's fun. There's just so many aspects of that movie that I, if I was looking at, you know, the three movies on my shelf and say we're going physical media here, um, I'm just like, oh man, I want to watch one of these Star Wars movies. Which one I want to watch? I'm probably grabbing Return of the Jedi, even though it's not my favorite out of the original trilogy. So that's that's where I'm at. It's And it's clear, it's a clear cut pick to me. Phantom Menace, I was pretty sure, but for this one, uh, Return of the Jedi is definitely, in my opinion, my most rewatchable original trilogy movie. So I'm not sure where you're at, but you said you were surprised. What, did you think I was going to pick Empire? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just because cool. you are a Han guy, and I feel like Han is the best represented in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, definitely. Uh, he's got yeah. some good stuff in A New Hope, and I feel like I feel like he sort of lacks in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, but in Empire Strikes Back, it's sort of like what you know we talk about, like the sequel trilogy. We're like. This one's Han's movie. This one's Luke's movie. This one's Leia's movie. Like, if you were to sort of break that out, I feel like, um, like Han and Empire Strikes Back. Like, that's that one is really like where he shines. Yeah. So I would have thought that would have been your answer. For me, this this brings into something I didn't go into full detail on the last one, but sometimes I look at like I'm like, which one do I want to watch? And it's there's one that always feels like to me, like I could go back and revisit that one. And like, I'd find it's like my least favorite, but I kind of like maybe could find some other angle to like sort of love it a little bit more. So I always want to like give it that chance and I still like them. So, you know what I mean? I go to that one. That one for me is a new hope Ah. in this case, but then the empire strikes back is the one that I think is the best one. And then there's right. Return of the Jedi, which I think is my favorite one. Right. So I'm I'm stuck between in any situation where I go, which one of the original original trilogy do I want to put on today? It's like the one that I want to like sort of study and given a you know not another shot, but you know what I mean. Like like maybe I'll maybe I could enjoy it and it'll bring it up a little bit. Um, or do I want to go with the one that's clearly the best? Or do I want to go with the one that just like makes me feel good and like I love it? So th- this one's tricky for me. I think the real answer, though, that I, that if I was like, which one am I going to throw on? I think I would tend to land with Return of the Jedi the most often. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're two for two. Right. Um, the, but uh, for very similar reasons of why I like the Retur- uh, Return of the Jedi, but I will say this, that... I think that 
I it goes up for me. Whereas I I think like a lot of people think of the Jabba stuff as like, you know, peak Return of the Jedi. I think of the end. The the end is the, totally where it, it all is for me. It's yeah. the the oh, battle, yeah. the space battle is is perfection. The Ewoks and and the you know all that. That's it's all so good. The way they balance between them. I I love everything about the end of that movie. I love Jabba too, but I almost feel like Return of the Jedi for me, sort of in a weird way. I feel like Return of the Jedi starts after Jabba and Jabba's this weird like bonus short that we got. I could see how you could see it that way. Yeah. Um, um, it ties in. It's like they released it before the movie and it was this promotional piece between the two movies. But then when you go in to Return of the <laughs> Jedi, it starts with Luke being like, I'm on my way to go see Yoda again. You're like, oh, okay. Now the serious stuff is beginning to take place of how all of this is going to like, uh, wrap up. Very ambitious of George Lucas to make a 90 minute movie to finish this trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah i i see what you're saying there um and i agree the ending is pinnacle um because it has the fun but it also takes everything the stakes are higher and it takes everything to the next level like luke's you know crossroads moment and throwing away the lightsaber that's heavy duty stuff and obviously him and vader and what vader does and like that like the it's return of the jedi has it all and you know we're not here to sell on why these movies are great and look all these movies are very rewatchable we are a star wars podcast and star wars fans and we love all of them but like you look at a new hope and how that starts compared to um return of the jedi and it's like the new hope starts off really slow and i know it's it would be very hard for me to sit my son down and say like all right it's time for you to watch star wars and start with a new hope because it's a lot of 3PO and R2 slowly moving through the desert. And it's, it's, I didn't, a, slow, it's a slow get going until you get I to the cantina. Talk to you guys about it, really. But Bennett, we went to this, um, the, we went to our local like baseball stadium and they did a Star Wars night and we watched oh, right. Star Wars. So it was me, Rachel, and Bennett. And we watched it like, you know, on their like big screen and stuff. And he, it was the first time he sat down and watched star Wars and asked questions. And we talked through it all. What was it? A new hope. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And, um, look at, look at this purist over here. Well, I'm just saying that when I, when I was <laughs> saying that I was saying it was like, you know, no, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the thing was, is that he, he had the same opinion he does about any other star Wars stuff. He, he like, he knows what it is, but it doesn't like, it doesn't like drive him to be like, that was so cool. And then there's the part where this happened and this happened. He just sort of looked at it and, you know, he had some funny answers, um, which I don't think he fully understands the words that he's saying, but we were kind of like, you know, you know, did you like it? And he's like, it's okay. You know, kind of thing. And I think he likes it more than what he's leading on. But he's also trying to say, it's not my favorite. I love other things way more than that. So you are Ted trying to see uh, what's her name's reaction and like disappointed that she's not 
ooing no, and aahing at certain scenes. I'm actually not disappointed in like here's the other, like that's how I met your mother for our audience, by the way. I yeah, I don't I don't particularly think that like the chances that he's gonna love something the same way I love it. Like I don't expect him to like Dragon Ball. I don't necessarily expect him to like Star Wars. You know, um, I just am kind of like whatever he does get into will be cool. And, you know, I'll probably get into that thing, too, so that we have that shared interest. But I don't need him to like what I like. I'm the same you know? way. Yeah. yeah, I I I Johnny hasn't. He's he's not even five yet. He's going to be five later this month. But which so is weird. He's weird. going to kindergarten this year, right? Yeah. See, that's strange. Bennett is starting kindergarten and he's not six. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So you're like you're a whole year younger than me, but we, but grade wise, they're both going into the same that's grade together. Cool. Um, so Johnny, like he, I think he wants to make me think he likes Star Wars because he wants to like make me happy. It's like right. kind of cute in that way. Um, but I don't want him to feel that way. So when he gets to Star Wars and like wants to really sit down and absorb it. I, you know, if he likes it, that's amazing. And that'll be something we could bond over, but I'm never going to push it on him. And I haven't, um, he knows obviously what I do. And I talk about star Wars and he gets all that. He sees all the posters and he, right. Yeah. He's like this chewy doll and all he gets it all. And he has some star it's Wars. It's pretty impossible for a kid to walk into a room. Like what we have. Yeah. See all of the star Wars stuff and be like, why does dad have a lot of one franchise thing? Right. You know? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And like he, so I, I'm not sure if he's going to love it or not, but he does like sort of like you're saying with Bennett have this understanding of it, but he hasn't, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't dived into it yet. So right. we'll see. But in terms of, I know we're, you know, we're getting off the beaten path here though, but it is a, a point to be said, like I'm saying from my perspective, what's rewatchable, but I think it's, it's good to get an idea of like kids too. Cause we live in this day and age now where attention spans are shorter and shorter. And, it'd be hard to see a five-year-old really sit down and watch 3PO and R2 slowly move through the deserts of Tatooine without much background and, you know, a dialogue probably over their heads a bit and that sort of stuff. But you show, you throw on Return of the Jedi, you maybe have a better shot. Cause, well, what's that giant slug puppet? What's that big Rancor monster? What's those right. green frog looking dudes? And Luke Skywalker, what's, you know, he's got this green lightsaber. Like it's, it's so inviting and like, um, but for me, it also plays because I am like, oh, it's Jabba. Oh, it's the Rancor. Oh, my God. I remember playing with those figures and stuff. And that seeps into it, too, for rewatchability. So there's a lot of factors for me on why things are rewatchable. But I just really think, like, to close out my point on the original trilogy is Return of the Jedi just has a lot. And like you said, the end even takes it to the next level. And it's not that it moves the way the Phantom Menace does, where it's like, we're here, now we're here, then we're here, then we're here. Like uh, Lawrence Kazan likes to like talk about Solo. He's like, that movie moves and we cruise and we keep going and we give you something fun then we on to the next one. Return of the Jedi, you're on Tatooine, then you're on Endor. And that's pretty much, and then space. And that's pretty much it. And the Death Star. And, but it still moves around a lot between the stories. And like you brought up about the end with the Phantom Menace, we got the space battle, you got the lightsaber duel and you got the ground game with Naboo. But you never feel like, oh, what is what am I watching? A fight scene from Jason Bourne? Like you're like, no, mm-hmm. I get exactly what's happening here. And the same thing happens in Return of the Jedi. And maybe that's the magic sauce because we picked Phantom Menace and we picked Return of the Jedi. 
I don't know, but it's yeah, interesting it's that we both the way picked, they do a big battle at the end or something. We both picked Phantom Menace. What? We both picked Return of the Jedi. I would think Gilleran would pick Return of the Jedi too, because I think that's her favorite uh, original I th- trilogy. I think so. You know, yeah. um, one other thing about Return of the Jedi that, you know, I didn't do this with the prequel trilogy, but one of the reasons I think I pick Return of the Jedi is because if I picked one or if I picked, you know, episode four or episode five, I feel like when I watch it, I didn't finish the story. Do you, oh, you need that for rewatchability? No, not necessarily. Cause obviously one is a pretty, oh, I said, I'm doing the thing now Four, you know, episode four, new hope the first. Yeah. The first one is sort of a, a story in itself. It's got its little bubble around it. So it, it it's not so much that, but I feel like, you know, I know in my heart that that's just like the first one. And if I watch the middle one, I'm like, okay, well, I watched like part of the story. But something about like when I put on the third one, by the time I get to the end, it I feel like I watched all three of them. That's fair. Because yeah. I get that closure and I'm like, man, it all came together. Yeah. You know, he saved yep. the whole galaxy and there's the bow tie. I feel like I finished it all. And yeah. so I feel like there's a sense of accomplishment when you finish Return of the Jedi as well. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, all right. So let's take it now to the sequel trilogy. Um, this one, I'm still not even sure on. So I may have to talk this out. Um, all right. It's I. It's not Last Jedi. I know that. It's it's one of the JJ movies. That's to no surprises any to anybody. I, I'm a big JJ fan. I'm just not sure if it's TFA or Rise of Skywalker for me. I'm leaning TFA just because of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And um, because I just think that's a really solid and good Star Wars movie. So I think that's where I am, but I'm not positive. Do you do you have a definitive one for sequel trilogy? So I do. Um, and it's funny because the one that I think is actually the best out of the three being force awakens is the least likely one for me to throw on. Oh, interesting. And the reason that is, is for that other thing that I keep mentioning as we move along, it just is the strongest in the sequel trilogy of like, when I put on the force awakens, all of a sudden now it's background and I don't watch it. Yeah. I, I know it so inherently probably because something about like my brain and like I went and saw the movie like seven or eight times in the theater that like something about it goes, I've already seen this before. I know this. And so I sort of put it, I can put it on, but it immediately falls to background and I'm not really paying attention to it or getting pulled into it. Whereas with both last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, when I put those on, I, I outside of watching the movie refer to them as like kind of tough to get into. But then when I actually put them on, it reminds me of how great star Wars is. I'm like, why does this movie have a bad rap? It's so cool. Watch this scene. That's Finn. That's phasma. They're fighting. I love this. Yeah. This is so cool. Like, I'm like, that's Zori bliss. And this was the, the, the end of the, the whole thing. And like when she come, you know, does this thing. And like, I just, there's so much about those two movies that still have this raw sort of like, like 
yeah, I heard it was a bad movie, so I never watched it. And then you like put it on and you're like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. This movie's great. You know, like both of those movies do that for me. And so I do have such a hard time picking between them. I think for the same reason that I do the return of the Jedi, I think I lean towards rise of Skywalker because it has that effect of when you get to the end, I'm like, wow. Like we just went on a whole big thing. Um, but I, uh, I don't know, man, I don't want to say it's last Jedi. Cause I really feel like that's not the true answer, but there really is something about like when I put on last Jedi, I get pulled into it. And then I, 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 I look at the aspects that Ryan really nailed. And I'm like, man, like, the 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 kid the um what do they call him broom broom kid or whatever like broom kid. there's just this like he lifts Tamiri it up Black. he's looking at the the sky and all that I'm like this is so cool I love all of this and why did this get such a bad reputation there's something that makes me feel good uh, about those two movies in particular like they got this sort of like rotten score on tomatoes and um. I, and I like them. I like those movies and I have good well, times with them. Last Jedi had great critics scores, bad audience and rise of Skywalker had bad critics, great audience. Right. Um, I, you're convincing me on rise of Skywalker a bit. And I'm, cause I just like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking <laughs> about it's not last Jedi. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> like last Jedi for me, I, I like the last you Jedi. associate with, other things what, that what happened to down. the fandom and yeah yeah and i think it's a slower movie and usually slower movies aren't as rewatchable for me mm -hmm. um i like when things move um that's why i love indiana jones movies so much and, you know but and, and, and let me jump in here too so like i know you said during return of the jedi it's one of the ones where you can watch and you notice different things that i feel like is why i like canto bite is I feel oh, like sure. it gets talked sure. about and skipped over a lot, and and it's fair. I understand the arguments. I I see both sides and everything. But Canto Bite to me, when I'm watching it, there is there's something special in me that's like, I, I like how did they do that guy? Oh, that, oh that's agree. so cool. She's got three heads or whatever. You know, I'm like I'm looking at all. They do that big long shot, and I'm like, this is all so cool. Like a high end casino. Uh, cantina type fathers start blast through and run over the tables and yeah yeah it's it's a great Star Wars scene I think I'd I like to visit that casino in real life I, I feel like Finn I put myself in Finn's position oh Lando's been there you know it oh, um sure. I I want to change the narrative on that scene because I do sometimes give it flack but I give it for the wrong reasons it's not Canto Bite it's not Cantonica I want to see more of that planet. It's not the aliens because it's like one of the bigger, like here's a lot of creatures uh, scenes in the sequel trilogy. Um, it might be of all of them. I think what I would, the only shift I would make, and I think I've said this on the podcast before is I wish Poe went with Finn and that would have been, we still have two characters together in the second movie and they're not in three different spots. And that would have made rise of Skywalker better because you would have had two of the characters together. Um, and I'm not saying Rose didn't have to go. She could have gone like I, I'm whatever. But I think if Poe and Finn were there, it would have been maybe a little funnier. Um, you would have got to see more out of Poe as opposed to him being beholden to being on that ship the whole time, getting scolded. Uh, but 
the the scene itself I think is very good. So I agree that is something I want to revisit. And that actually would be a great candidate scene for our new segment that we put out. Did you see that? You know. Yeah. And I'm I'm considering too. Like I said I, I rewatched Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like we should do Did you see that for some of the shows too? Oh uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I I agree. And it seems most people enjoy the segment. So we appreciate that. Um but I'm leaning Rise of Skywalker on this one because it does move and it, it that movie actually moved me. I got pretty sentimental in a, a lot of spots. I remember the Han and Ben Solo scene um, and then the end with Ray. Um, there was a lot in the music. I thought Williams did a really good job with the friendship theme and a lot of things he incorporated, but also just like I'm thinking about that Death Star lightsaber battle. That has to be like a top three lightsaber battle for me. That is so raw and so good. And the, like the, the scale that they made that, that was an epic, epic lightsaber fight. It's just, and like people say like they didn't, they did it, they played it safe and stuff. I feel like that movie took so many big risks, like the force fighting through the force. Um, I, I, I think that movie is going to age really well. And I think people, when they step away from it and zoom out, maybe in 10 years or so, you're going to get those articles about how Rise of Skywalker was actually a good movie on, you know, Gizmodo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think when, when people zoom out, they're going to see that that movie does sort of live on its own and, and take its risks and, and still lands the plane. Now people aren't going to like it you know, who don't like it now aren't going to like it, you know, forever. Maybe that's fine. But I don't know, something about that movie. There, that's the movie, when I think of all three of the sequel trilogy movies, that's the fullest movie. And for reasons, people said like, well, they cut too much and they, they, had, they had too much, that they put too much into it. But I like that. Like, I like the Pisana stuff. Like, there's a lot to find in that scene too. I, I like the chase on the ice planet. I like them going to Kajimi. That is such a cool set, such a cool planet. Mm. There's a lot of movement in that movie, but it also slows down in certain spots. So I, I'm going to get flack for this, but I don't care. I, I'm going to, I think I'm going rise of Skywalker as my most rewatchable of the sequel trilogy. It might not be my favorite. I'm not sure yet. So I gave my reasons for not force awakens, but why, why in this case, you know, you, you seem like you were leaning there, but like what, I why are you choosing I, that over Force Awakens? Because that movie, I'm sure, beats um, up your standard of like all these great things. It's, it, it's close because I think Force Awakens might slot right under it. Like I may be like, oh, I'm gonna toss on Rise of Skywalker and then be like, you know what? I'm gonna fire up TFA right now too. Like I don't need to watch things in order if I've already seen them. You know, I, there's a lot of times I'll throw on Last Crusade and then be like, you know what? kind of want to get some temple of doom going and then uh, yeah, do that. Right. But, that's, that's a sort of similar to what I'm kind of saying about like when I, there's like the one that's my least favorite, you know, and I'm kind of like, yeah. maybe, you know, it's like, man, I've been eating so many hamburgers. Maybe I'll go for a hot dog this time, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Like yeah. I have that one that I'm initially drawn to. That's the hamburger, but it's like, but I know that I'm going to have a good time if I eat that hot dog. <laughs> you know? I, uh, right. Right. And I'm just, I'm just thinking, and like TFA, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not rewatchable. And TLJ, like you're convincing me to revisit things. You know, I the Canto Bite stuff. You know, I gotta maybe look at that from a different set of lenses. But 
Um, and really, it is just the characters there. I, I, I agree with you. That it is a great scene. Um, but I'm just, I keep thinking about other scenes in Rise of Skywalker, like even Kylo Ren's vision when he touches the Vader helmet and the chills I would get that I'm feeling right now, you can probably see the hairs rising of when uh, the Vader voice comes in, join me. And like oh, the, that whole flash, like vision he sees, like there's so many cool parts of that movie and what they did with Leia, like, and I know that doesn't necessarily contribute to rewatchability, but as I'm thinking about all these scenes, I'm like, there was a lot in that movie to really enjoy that. I think people, if they, if they just looked at, and I did a, th- I just remember this. I did a thread on Twitter, which I never do about the things I love about the rise of Skywalker. Do you mean and you did know a how- tweet on threads? I did a thread on tweets, which is X. <laughs> so it's an X thread that's on X. That was Twitter. And there was and a it, big blue sky outside and big blue sky outside <laughs> and people were instantly gramming about it. And <laughs> there were some faces and books and yeah, uh, I was in my own space though, which was nice. Yeah. Good. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I made a thread and I didn't know how long it was going to be, but it wound up being pretty long. And I realized like there's a lot of good to be found in every Star Wars movie, even ones you don't like. And I know that's not really this topic, but when I keep thinking about Rise of Skywalker, I almost want to go upstairs right now and watch it. And and just, it, it's, a, it's a hell of a ride. And I, I just have a lot of fun watching that movie. That's, and it moves I, so much that I can rewatch that without getting bored of it. I wanted to sort of lean on that because there is, I think, a truth that generally when we talk about Last Jedi on the show versus when we talk about rise of skywalker it's more often that i think when i'm walking back upstairs that i go man i kind of want to put on rise of skywalker right now (laughs) so i was kind of leaning towards that answer um more so than last jedi but both of them like i said the more important thing to me is when i do actually push them on i i'm i'm engaged in both of them yeah and Lacey would say TFA, like 100%. I, th- I think. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, yeah, she no, that might be her favorite Star Wars movie. I find that impossible. Movie. I yeah. think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or Return of the Jedi, I forget. But... And you can easily make the argument about TFA. And and anyone can make a good argument about any of these movies because we love them all. But um, are, you go, are you saying it's Last Jedi for you? Or are you not just... You don't have to make a decision. You can say like, oh, maybe it's TLJ, maybe it's Rise of Skywalker, you know? I think maybe because of what I was just explaining, I think more often than not, I feel the urge to watch Rise of Skywalker over Last Jedi. (laughs) Isn't this nuts? Uh, That we're both landing on the same three. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that would happen. I thought, I figured you would say Phantom Menace. Um, I figured you would say Empire Strikes Back, and I figured you would say, oh, th- this one's tough, though. I kind of figured you you'd say Rise of Skywalker, that. actually. Oh, really? Yeah, but I, I think you're, the, the other one would be Force Awakens. That could have surprised me a little. Yeah. I So if if we're both saying Rise of Skywalker, if we're both I'm saying... I'm more Return surprised by your Return of the Jedi pick, honestly. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then we both picked Phantom Menace. I want to see, because it's hard for us to find the patterns, I want to see you know, if Lacey or our audience can find any connective tissue between 
those picks as mm-hmm. a pattern uh, as to why those movies are rewatchable. Is there is there something that those three movies across I, those three trilogies? I think have? we already sort of uncovered it in this conversation. It's the it's to me it's the finality of it. I but, I like. Uh, Okay. I know we picked Phantom Menace, but it's got the final battle at the end, and it's sort of it's sort of separated. And you can't watch the revenge. You can't watch Revenge of the Sith and being like, wrapped it all up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that even more so than usually the middle movie feels like they just left you on edge so you can finish it later, which was four, five, and six. So I feel like the finality of if there's one that sort of like puts a bow on something, Phantom Menace, like holding the thing up and, you know, they're being, you know, all of that. I think that's, that's where you see the multi battles happen. They win and everything is good. You I can think that say the same thing of, about a new hope though, too. Yeah, you could. So Star Wars could have ended with a new hope, but the finality of revenge of the uh, return of the Jedi is better. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. The family photo. Yeah. Now, John, I, I, we're we're going a little long, but I I got another question for you. The new okay. Star Wars trilogy is Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. Which one do you put on? <laughs> Between the three, you have to sit down. Uh probably Return of the Jedi. I think it is that for me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's that one. I yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, are we I thought you were going to say we just created a new like the rewatchability trilogy and it's oh. Phantom Menace. You watch Phantom Menace, then you watch Return of the Jedi because you see young Anakin and then you see the end of Anakin. So you get both sides of that and then you get Rise of Skywalker, which I don't know how that plays, but um, you also get it's the start bad. of Palpatine and both ends of Palpatine. So is that is this the Palpatine trilogy? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That would be that. I mean, he shows up in only two, uh, three, and nine. Three, five, six. No, whole. He does whole throw. Year. He does show up in five. But let's be honest. It's it's six and nine are the two. And then one, two, three, of course. Yeah, and then one, and one, two, three. Yeah, but you want to, you probably want to see, uh, Phantom Menace before you'd want to like say, let's kick it off with Palpatine's trilogy. An, Revenge side, of the Sith. Side thing, like in how they yeah, maybe, develop actually, yeah. develop the Palpatine in the original trilogy. He's mentioned in the first movie. We see him briefly in the second movie, and then he's in the third movie. I wonder if that's a formula that maybe they should follow for the, a future villain. You know, we hear about him and then we start speculating who is this emperor. And then you see him in the second one and you get a taste. And then the third one, you get the full thing. What I, I kind of like that's that. Thrawn. That slow burn. We've been hearing about him in Mandalorian. You see him, but he was the in first Rebel. time. What? He was in rebels. That's the only thing. Well, not for most people. All right. All right. Right. But then you like he's not the main villain, but you see him and you learn more about him in Ahsoka, and then you you know you're going to get your actual the resolution movie. with the big boss. It's interesting later. It's excuse but, me, very interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. This is a cool chat. I dug it. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Um, I felt like there was another Bennett story that I wanted to tell, but I can't remember what it was. So we will hold off till later. Has Bennett? Um, 
seen the pod race in the Phantom Menace yet? He has not. No, because my Johnny's into monster trucks and he likes like the things that go fast. I wonder if I just toss that on there. No context. Been like, let's watch this race from Star Wars if you would like it. So I might try that. Yeah, there's definitely tons of different angles that you could come at to get somebody introduced to Star Wars um, at a young age. And I think, I don't know about you, but I definitely know from my experience, like I was always, I always liked Star Wars until the day when like, and I'm an adult, like decided I'm going to really like Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think most people are probably like, yeah, I like Lord of the Rings. And then like one day they like, you know what? I'm going to like really read it, you know, and like get into yeah. it or something. Or like, like, uh, like a sport, like say soccer, you know? I don't see your connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. Uh, let us know what you think of uh, our picks. We want to know for you what... What are your most rewatchable Star Wars movies? There's no wrong answers because it's your choice. You're yeah. the one sitting on your couch saying, I'm going to throw on a Star Wars movie. It's a rainy Saturday. Let's get into it. So let us know your picks in the comments or hit us up uh, if you're a patron in the Discord chat. We'll, we'll definitely be talking about that there. Uh, and of course, uh, email if you don't want everybody to know your picks. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Patreon, uh, James said at the top, uh, keeps the light on in the base. It keeps us going. It allows us to keep doing what we're doing, but also uh, aspire to do more as we grow. And as we're going to get hit with new star Wars shows, movies and stuff down the line, um, it is immensely important to the success of this show. Cause it's just the three of us uh, running the deal here and your support is immensely important. So thank you to all of our patrons, but also anybody who listens to the show. Uh, however you contribute, whether that's telling people about the pod, wearing a t-shirt, uh, just enjoying it yourself. Anyway, we thank you all. Um, but I do, before we get out of here, I want to do a special shout out to our generals and spice runners on Patreon. Uh, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana, and Dave Hornack. And the Spice Runners are David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we had a fun time doing it, I think, James, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lacey will be back with us for TRB Live later this week, of course. Uh, she'll be back on Thursday night. Uh, for me, Johnny Hoey on Twitter, uh, Threads, Blue Sky, uh, and of course my, uh, my, 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 my movie podcast, just like the movies, uh, we're doing airplane next. Um, and we just did Titanic uh, a couple weeks ago. James, mm-hmm. how about you? You know, I, I had been wanting to rewatch Titanic for a very long time. And because you said you were going to do it, I, I rewatched it and then had to wait like a month before your episode. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I um, I, you know, I, uh, I wanted to go on record too, because I know you guys kind of talked about it a little bit, but I do actually have this feeling that Titanic is in contention for one of the best movies ever made. Oh yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's tough because I, I know you guys talked about it, but like you can, you can roll your eyes all you want at this back of it, this aspect of it or not. But like, I mean, 
it's it's sort of that same argument I gave for like Endgame, where people are like, "Oh, it shouldn't be nominated for Best Picture," and I'm like, "The award is for achievement in filmmaking," and I'm sorry, but like, Titanic is probably the ultimate achievement in filmmaking as far as like what it took to make that movie. Oh and yeah, like all the aspects of like making that it actually come to life. It's, it's uh, crazy. It's quite incredible. So yeah, yeah, and it swept all those awards uh, for good reason. Um, yeah, it may not be the best movie, but it might be the best movie ever made. Dude, James, that sort James of makes Cameron sense. is on another planet. Like <laughs> he's just he's on Pandora. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. He's unobtainium. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, and then Lacey, of course, as we said at the top, Lacey Gillerin, uh pretty much everywhere except TikTok. I believe it's it's Lacey Gillerin, but uh, yeah, at Lacey Gillerin, hit her up. And uh, she'll be back with us, like I said, on Thursday. But thanks again, everybody. Uh, Spread the word, subscribe, all that good stuff. But we hope you're all doing well, more importantly, as uh, Ahsoka comes out later this month. But uh, always keep it right here with us. And we'll see you next time with another episode of TRB. We'll see you around, kids.